Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is taken from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening session of Friday the 20th of February 2009, entitled, Why Storms Come? And the Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Well, you're glad to be here tonight. Say amen. It is so good to see every one of you here. Um, I'm so delighted to, to be back. Um, we almost wait with anticipation the day that we get on the plane to go back to America, the time to come back to England. And I thank God for the opportunity to, to break the bread of life tonight, share with you what God's given to me. I thank God for... Can I have a raise of hands of those who were the, uh, original, um, the original conference in 2003? See, one, two, three. Look of Tyler. You're here, man. Praise God. Hallelujah. One, two. We got, if, raise your hand now if you were original. If you're original to it, there's Evie. And uh, so we got four. I think George was George. You weren't the first. Okay. But you were here in 04. Yeah. But uh, I think we've got four or five that were original to uh, the conference. And let me just say that... Uh, I owe a debt of gratitude, a debt of gratitude, a debt of gratitude. It's been a long week. Started Sunday morning, and uh, it's just getting started right now. You might want to turn me down just a little bit. Um, it's just getting started because it'll be action-packed this weekend. If any of you have talked to those that have been here before, uh, you ask some of them, and they'll tell you it's going to be uh, wide open. And uh, but I thank God. But I want to say this: I do owe a debt of gratitude to the young people that had a burden. I wish you could have been here in the early days when it was just six of us, and we would sit around and we would laugh and cry together. And I can remember standing down here in a lectern and uh, preaching to six people, and 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 to see what it is now, and how God is blessed. You know, we serve a great God. I'm talking a big, awesome God. You you can't even imagine what the God that you serve. And you know what's amazing to me that that same God that created everything that we see wants to use you. What is an amazing thought to me is that here I was in 1987, a 21-year-old abject heathen in North Carolina who didn't didn't want anything to do with God. And now God's got me in Birmingham, England, preaching the gospel to young people who love Jesus. And I, I just want to encourage you. You have your heart wide open this weekend. You listen on purpose. Don't you come in here and just say, well, I'm just here, and boy, I can't wait till it gets Sunday, and I can get on that van, and I can go back home and get on the train and get out of here because that North Carolina guy was absolutely nuts. You might think that, but I'm here to tell you that there is somebody that's somebody that wants to touch your heart tonight. Somebody that wants to touch your heart, speak to you. You know, I may be speaking to a young person tonight, and I don't know, I'm just trying to be led of the Holy Spirit. I may be speaking to a young person tonight, and you know what? God may be working on your heart. I know Brother George and I have talked quite a bit over the years, and I can remember when God began to deal with his heart. You may be in this room tonight, and I don't know who I'm speaking to. I'm telling you from here to the back row. You may be here this weekend, and you really don't know what God wants to do with your life, but you know what he does? And I promise you, if you'll stay sensitive to it, there may just be a young person in this room that by this time, two years from now, they may be on the mission field, Damien, preaching the gospel somewhere else other than in Birmingham. You've just got to stay sensitive and say, Lord, I being in the way, lead me. Just give me your direction. 
Now, I want to be a blessing to you tonight, okay? So I'm just going to get right to the meat of the message. Matthew chapter number 14. Look at verse number 22. Matthew chapter number 14 and verse number 22. I've wanted to uh, start the meeting off this week, this weekend rather, with this topic, victory into storms. And the, the, tonight I want to kind of pinpoint in and narrow it in to a little bit more specific topic. And that topic is this. Why do storms come? Now, I don't know if you've ever asked that question. By the way, it's not wrong to ask questions. Matter of fact, it's okay to, to get alone in prayer with God and say, God, can you answer some questions for me? You know what? He may not do exactly what you think he ought to do, but it's okay to sit there and stretch and flex your faith and say, Lord, can you give me maybe a reason why I'm going through this? I praise you for it, but I want you to give me a little, little insight. You know what? I promise you, folks, if you do that, you stay sensitive to Him, don't come to Him like a belligerent uh, person and be insubordinate. God is pleased with His people coming to Him and spending a little time and wanting to know if your heart's in tune with His. But why do we go through these storms? Why do storms come in our life? I heard a story one time about an English uh, uh, ship that was getting ready to go out to sea, and uh, as they were out in sea, a, a great storm uh, arose, and, and one of the lieutenants was thrown overboard, and, and one of, uh, the, a hero... Saw him out there, and you know, of course, if you're selling a ship back in those days in the early 1700s, you didn't turn the ship around and go back and get the one that fell off. You just went on. You weren't going to risk the rest of the crew over one soul. But they, there was a man on that ship that jumped overboard to save that one that had fallen off. He brought him back in, got him on the ship. Two days later, after both of them recuperated from the frigid waters, they had a lovely dinner in behalf of the one that saved the young lad, and they got him up and said, we'd like for you to give a speech. And so the man that saved the young lad got up and he said, I've just got one thing to say. Who pushed me? <laughs> and you say, preacher, what's your, what's your point? Folks, we ought not have to be pushed, Okay. We ought not have the God of the universe have to push us into doing what He wants us to do. Now, it's okay for you to say amen. If you don't amen, I'll amen myself. So it's okay to say amen, preacher, okay? Say it. Let's try it one time. One, two, three. Hey, that was nice. Let's get, that was really nice. Oh, that was great. Y'all act like y'all practiced for that or something. But do you know what, folks? Here, I'm here to tell you tonight that there's a reason why storms come in our life. And I'm here to submit to you tonight that God is too good to do you wrong and too wise to make a mistake. Y'all write that down. God, the God of heaven tonight, George, is too good to do you wrong and too wise to make a mistake. Matter of fact, if God made a mistake by sending a storm in your life, it's the first one He ever made. And by the way, He hadn't. So I'm here to tell you that storms are going to come into your life. I want us to read a very, 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 very familiar passage. I want you to look at Matthew chapter number 14. Let's look at verse number 22, and I'll begin my reading there. It says, And straightway Jesus constrained, He literally forced His disciples to get into a ship, and to go before Him unto the what? You know right here, folks, we've got a promise from Almighty God that we ain't going to get halfway into the middle of the sea of our storm, and the ship's going to sink. He said, I want you to get into that ship to go to the other side. Now let's continue our reading. To go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he was sent, and he, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. Thank God for that. Thank God we've got an intercessor in heaven. And when the evening was come, he was there alone, but the ship was now tossed in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. 
Any of y'all have ever heard somebody say, man, that guy's contrary? You ever heard that? That's a statement in America. That means that guy is just hard to get along with. This storm was hard to get along with. It was contrary. It literally means it was unpredictable, preacher. It means it was out of control. And it was literally getting ready to come aboard, preacher. I want you to look at what happened. And in the fourth watch of the night, probably about three in the morning, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Now, can I ask you great Bible students a question? Can you try to give me an answer? How many times do we have recorded that Jesus walked on water? One time. I believe. Now, I've studied it out. I think there was one time now. The Synoptic Gospels, it's in other Matthew, Mark, you know, it's in Mark, Luke, and John. But we got one time that it's recorded that Jesus walked on water. Have you ever asked yourself, just as a believer, Lord, why'd you let him do that one time? Well, I'm going to give you an answer to that in a minute, why I believe he did that. Well, let's continue our reading. Now, understand, they're in the midst. It said they're in the middle of the sea, Brother Damien. They're in the middle of that sea. We know because of, we could just go over there ourselves and we could, we could measure it out. The Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Gennesaret, the Tiberias Sea, is about seven miles across. That means, uh, Dino, that they were about three and a half miles out. We know by historical accounts that it would take those men, if it were just 12 of them, about 12 to 14 hours to row three and a half miles. So they are, they've obviously got to be weary, Carl. They've got to be worn out, and they're in the middle of the sea, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a storm arises. Now let's continue our reading. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it's a spirit, and they cried out for fear. I got a real problem with this, but I'm not going to be critical of the disciples because I'm, I'm just as ignorant and sometimes as stubborn as they are. But I want you to notice, Chris, what happened before this. Now, I'm not going to read all of the context, but I'm telling you in context, what took place before they got on that ship? Jesus had been preaching. He came before a multitude of people, and he got them set down, and he said, you know what, we need to feed these folks. And the disciples said, well, wait a minute. We need to dismiss in prayer and let them go to their own house because, by the way, Jesus, we ain't got no food. And I know that's bad English, but ain't is a word in a dictionary, okay? Y'all didn't like that. Anyway, I know. I, I don't speak English. I speak American, so just forgive me, okay, and kind of overlook it. Now, he has just taken 5,000 people, set them down. Could have just been the men. It could have been as many as twenty to 25,000 people. And he begins to feed them by nothing more than what? Two fishes and five loaves. Two, five biscuits, two little fish, and he feeds all these multitude of people. And guess what? They had enough to gather up and make 12 baskets full. Now, let's think about this with me for just a minute. Every disciple that's on that ship has a basket full of food between their legs, holding it, and they're going, what are we going to do? The ship's going to go down. But yet God had just performed one of the greatest miracles of all by feeding people with nothing more than two fish and five little biscuits. But they're going to sit around and say, I don't believe God can deliver us from this. It's a spirit. Man, we're afraid. I want you to look at what else happened. In verse number 27 it says, But straightway Jesus spake unto them, Boy, when, you, when you're in the midst of a storm, you know there's no greater voice to hear than the voice of Almighty God say, Peace be still. Jesus spake unto them and said, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answering him, answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on water to go to Jesus. But when he saw 
the wind boisterous. Can I ask you something? Has any of y'all ever seen wind? Could you describe it to me? What does it look like? You don't see wind, do you? You see the results of the wind. And that's what happens to us. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, called him, and said, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. I want to ask you a question tonight. Have you ever asked why storms come into your life? I want to give you a few reasons and some realities about storms that might try to help you tonight get through them. I want to ask a couple of questions, and, and when I get to the end of it, I want to raise your hand if you apply, if it applies to you. Has anybody in here come from a broken home, a divorced home? Has anybody in here had a family member die in the last year to two years? Has anybody in this room come from an abusive relationship? with maybe your mate. I'm, I'm not just talking to young adults. I'm talking to married people in here too and ones that have, may have been through a separation. Have you, there might be somebody in here and you just found out that you've got a, a physical problem or you know somebody in your family that has been diagnosed with one. Can I ask you to do this for me? If any of those apply to you, could you just raise your hand? Now hold them up and stay right there. I want everybody to start looking around right now. Just look around at the hands. You know what I'm here to tell you tonight? You can put them down. I'm here to tell you tonight that we live in the midst of a people that are, have definite needs. But you know what? God don't have amnesia. God isn't in heaven going, oh, you know the words oops and uh-oh have never come across the lips of our God. Never. God didn't go, oh, sorry. Let that storm come into your life and I didn't mean to. No. Have you ever asked yourself, why do the storms come in my life? Why? Why do they come? Well, can I give you a few reasons? Would you let me do that? This is yes, this is no. Can, would you like? Okay, good. I want you to look at this real quick. I want to give you a couple realities of storms. The reality of storms is this, folks. They are definite. I promise you, I don't care where you're at in your walk with Jesus Christ, how young you are, how old you are in Jesus Christ, I promise you this, wherever you're at in your Christian walk, you will go through trials and storms. You mark it down. James chapter 1 verse 2 says this, My brethren, he's speaking to us, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers or various temptations or testings. It did not say, Frazier, if. It said when. And you will go through them. They're definite. But you know what? They're different. All of us have different trials. May come in the form of a flat tire. You ever seen somebody going down the motorway? They got a flat tire and they're out there kicking it like that's going to inflate it. You know? I don't, I mean, why would you kick the tire? It's already flat. You want to know what a spiritual person that is mature is not going to stand there and kick a flat tire. They're going to get the jack out and the hammer and they're going to fix the thing. You know, your trial may come in the form of a broken arm or a broken limb. It may come in the form of a broken relationship. It may come in the form of the death of a family or you may go to the doctor and say, you know, I haven't been feeling too good, doc. What's wrong with me? And they take a test and they do an MRI and they find out you got a tumor. Yeah. I just watched a 14 and a half year old girl be buried. We had the privilege of knowing for almost a year before she passed away. It had an inoperable brain tumor at the brain stem. 
And Brother George, I watched her go down and down and down physically and to the point to where her eye would droop and her speech began to be slurred. And, and I watched this young lady glorify God and praise Him in the midst of the storm and say, Oh God, I'm still going to trust You even when it hurts like it is. She had such excruciating headaches, young people. It would literally make her vomit. She'd get sick. She'd get her head wiped off with the sweat. She'd get a little drink of water and then she'd say, Thank you, Jesus, that's over with. Thank you. You know what? We have no earthly idea sometimes of the trials that people are going through. I don't know what your trial is tonight, but let me tell you the reality of them. Number one, I want you to see by our text the source of storms. Do you know where storms come from? Him. The source of your storm is from Him. He either, he, listen, He either prevents it or permits it to happen. And a God Almighty, listen, I want you to read my lips right now, okay? God knows exactly how much you can take. Oh God, I can't take it no more. God knows exactly how much you can take. And the reality is this, the source of the storm is Him. Let me ask you something. Let's look at verse number 23 again. He sent the multitudes away, and when Jesus had sent the multitudes away, look at verse 23 in chapter number 14. When He had sent the multitudes away, He went up on a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, He was there alone. Now let me ask you something. We all would agree, if you're a born-again believer, if you've trusted Christ your Savior, you know that Jesus wasn't just a prophet or a good teacher, somebody that walked in Galilee. He was God. And listen, the God of heaven, is He not omniscient? Yes. Does he not know everything that's going on? Absolutely. So you're, sit, you're telling me, preacher, that the God of the universe knew this storm was going to happen. Yes, he did. He went ahead and sent his disciples into a ship to go into the Sea of, uh, of uh, Gennesaret. And on that Sea of Gennesaret, he knew that that storm was going to come. You're telling me he knew that? Yes, I am. Do you know what? You're saying, preacher, so he purposely let them go into the midst of the storm? You bet your bottom dollar. But you know what I like? I like the fact that when we go through storms, the source of it is this. Though we know the one that sends us through the storms allows it to take place, we've got one that just doesn't sit there and let us go through it. He prays us through it. Folks, let me tell you something about the storm. Number one, the source of it is from God. Now, you know what? A lot of times there's people in their lives that they go through trials and tribulations because they bring it on themselves through sin or some other uh, means. But I'm here to tell you that if that's the case, God still allowed it to take place. Amen or on me? Folks, the source of your storm, the one that allows it to take place is God Almighty. Now, we're going to get to why that takes place and why it comes sometimes, Penos, but I've got to give you a few more things. Number one, the source of storms is from Him. But number two, I want you to see the scope of the storm. The source of the storm, the source of it. God Almighty allowed these, 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 these disciples to go into the storm, but the scope of the storm. Let's look at the rest of our text. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up in a mountain apart to pray. Let's look at verse 22 again. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him under the, you ought to circle these words, other side. So the source of storms is it's allowed by God, but number two, the scope of it is this. He said, there is a method to my madness, there is a means to an end here, and it is this. The scope of your storm is this. He said, let us pass over to the other side. He didn't say we're going to get halfway out there and it's going to sink. 
you know what Paul at the end of his not the end of his life, but he was writing a he was writing a letter to the church in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, he made this statement. He said, you know what? You Listen, he said, I had a thorn in the flesh that was given to me a buff, to buffet me, a messenger of Satan, that I may not be exalted above measure. And he said, I asked God three times to take it away from me. Three times, Frazier. And every time, you know what God said? Uh-uh. Nope. I'm not going to do it. Why? Because he said... This is what God told Paul. He said, because Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. You want to know what the scope of the storm is? The scope of the storm is this. We absolutely sail, walk, whatever we're doing, whatever transportation we're riding. We Listen, we're on a ship called life, and the captain of our ship is Jesus Christ. And I promise you this, we sail on the naked grace of God. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we'd all be in trouble tonight. The grace of God. People have tried to pin down what the words amazing grace means. They've written songs. Saved a wretch like me. Once was lost, now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Wonderful grace of Jesus. But you know what? If I could sit here and try to describe to you what grace was in my little infinitesimal mind and my limited vocabulary, there is no way that I could ever explain to you what grace is. Justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy's not getting what we deserve. But thank God, grace is getting what we don't deserve. Amen? You don't deserve it. It's a free, undeserved gift, graciously given to you by God Almighty. And it, what it does is it sustains you through the storm. The grace of God. I like what John Newton said. He said, I ain't what I should be. I ain't what I ought to be. Ought to be but thank God I'm not what I was. And it's all because of the grace of God. See, folks, the scope of the storm is this. Jesus said He gave them a promise, we're going to get into the ship, you're going to get into this ship, and you're going over to the other side. But can I tell you the significance of the storm? The scope of the storm is this. It's allowed by God. Number two, the scope of it is this. You have been given a promise that the grace of God will take you and keep you, and I promise you this, the will of God will never take you where the grace of God can't keep you, young people. You serve Him. You know when He, listen, when He sends you out, you've got the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of you. I don't know if that excites you, but I about can't contain it when it comes out on me. I'm telling you this, folks, the scope is this. We've got the grace of God. But you know what the significance is, Brother Damien, about the storm? And this is what I like. The significance of the storm is this. I gave you a question just a minute ago. Why do storms come? Can I go ahead and answer it and I'll give you a couple more? The significance of storms in our life, you want to know why they come to Tom? It's because of this. The reason why God allows storms to go on in our life, I'm going to tell you something. I've been saved since 1987. And I'm still learning this. And God just gave me this. I thought about this the other day, Damien. The reason why God's allowed me to go through some of the storms in my life to watch my wife lose our middle child wasn't her fault. God took it. He knew that. He knew what was going on. We should have had three. We do. One's in heaven, two here. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to leave a deacon's meeting and want to get in your car and just keep driving and not ever come back. <laughs> Some of you pastors are laughing with keen, keen interest right there. I know what it's like to go over to the parsonage after you've watched somebody blow your wife out and literally just chew her up and spit her out. 
And I know what it's like to go over there and to caress her and say, Honey, it's going to be okay. God called us here and put them to bed and watch them cry and weep going to sleep and then you have to be the tough guy. But then go over to my office and cry the rest of the night. I know what it's like, young people. And listen, I was where you were are at right now at one time. You say, well, preacher, why do I go through these storms? Can I tell you why? It's so you'll learn to love Him in the storm. You know what? I'm not some great theologian. I'm just telling you what God gave me. And you know why God sends you through the storms? Young lady, young man, university student, person at the job. Can I tell you why God lets you go through storms? So you'll learn to love Him in the midst of it. Do you love Him when storms come? Or do you kick against it? Let me tell you something, young people. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 2 and 3 says this, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, because I, he said, am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel. And I'm going to tell you this, I don't care where God sends you, you have Him with you at all times. And I promise you this, He will deliver you from the fiery furnace. He'll deliver you through the uh, Red Sea, just like He did the children of Israel, just like He did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He will provide and deliver you. I guess the first time I came, Pastor Larry, was back in August of 2002. I remember that week vividly. That was when I met your precious family. Intimately, we got to know them. I met Evie. I ain't never been the same ever since I met her. Some of y'all know why I say that when you talked to her this weekend. I love her to death. I'll never forget the first time I met the precious folk here at, uh, at Bethel. I can't tell you how grateful I am for Bethel Free Baptist Church and the people here. You need to go by. If you don't do anything else this week, you don't owe me an appreciation, you don't owe me a handshake or a hug, but you need to go to the people of this church and say, I want to thank you for opening your doors and having something like this for us. Because, folks, I'm here to tell you, it ain't about me, it ain't about you, it's about Him. But I'll never, ever begin to tell you how much I appreciate the friendship, but I remember when I came and I just left here when we were going around and we went to Scotland and then over to Ireland and then we came back and we were in London and preached there a little bit and then I went back to the house and... Uh, which is in North Carolina, over across the big water, Atlantic Ocean. But I remember getting a call when I was in Scotland. My dad, we had just found out that he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Now, you don't know the whole story, but let's, let me give you the revised standard version if I can, all right? My dad got saved in 2000. About a month after he was saved by the grace of God, he found out he had pancreatic cancer. Young people, I have never in my life and I'm not just saying it's because he was my daddy. I have never, Frazier, in my life seen anybody grow faster than he did in the Christian life. My dad began to read the book and God began to illuminate things to him. I can remember he, uh, he, while I was here, uh, he had a problem with his foot. He was a diabetic too, Damien. And, and, and God, I don't know why I allowed this. I'll know one day in heaven. But he lost every one of his toes on his right foot. Well, when I got back, I called my dad and I said, Dad, I called him while I was in Scotland. I said, Daddy, if you need me to come home, I'll get on a plane right now and I'll come home. You are that important. And he said, Brian, he said, you gave me the gospel, the most important thing in my life. He said, you don't need to come home, son. You need to stay there and preach to people that don't have what we got. Son, that dog will hunt. That means that's good stuff in, in, in American, all right? 
I stayed here. When I got home, my dad lasted about two months after that. November 21st of 2002, my dad took his last breath and he was in eternity. But you know what? I'll never forget sitting there and watching my dad grow and thinking, you know what? The significance of the storm in his life was to let him know that he needed to love God through the storm. And it taught me a real, real good principle, young people. You love God, and you love God's people. I want you to write that down. You love God, and you love God's people. You know, we sometimes don't understand why storms come. The source of them is from Him. We know that He allows it. The scope of it is, what we, you know, and, and it's good when we know there's something at the end of it, don't we? And there's light at the end of the tunnel. But the scope of it is this. He allows it so the grace of God will come flooded in like a grace ambulance and come to our rescue. The, significant of the, the significance of the storm is this, young people. He wants us to love Him while we're going through the storm. I don't care how far away you think God is from you right now. I don't care what you've done. I'm here to tell you that God is as close as the first Lord Jesus helped me. I, just like Peter's problem. You know what? Peter prayed three words. Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand. That's all it takes, young people. You've come here this weekend. You may have a stronghold in your life. You may have something that nobody else knows about. Your youth pastor, your friend sitting right beside of you. They have no earthly idea what you're going through. But I'm here to tell you there is one that knows exactly what you're going through, whether it be good, whether it be indifferent. I promise you that the God of heaven wants to answer it and show you great and mighty things which you know not. He's as close as the first prayer you get on your knees and you say, God, I need you. And he says, I've been right here the whole time. Story's told about a little boy that was flying a kite one day. It was a cloudy day. Y'all know about them in England, don't you? Man, I tell you what, the sun is a remote thing around this place. I've seen the sun about three times in a week. And every time I see it come out, I run outside and go, just stand there. Oh, hallelujah. And it go in and I run inside. It's cold here. Cold, huh? <laughs> not used to it. But little boy was flying a kite. It was above the clouds, Chris. Man walked by one day. He's holding a string. Man walked by and said, young man, what you doing? He said, I'm flying a kite. And he said, well, I don't see no kite up there. He says, because it's above the clouds. He said, well, how do you know there's a kite on the end of that string? That little boy looked at him and said, well, sir, he said, ever so often I feel a little tug. He said it tugs, and I, I know it's up there. You ever been in your prayer closet? You want God so to meet your need, and you want God to come down and show Himself to you? And you say, but Lord, you feel so far away. Has He ever come down there and taken that invisible cord that's wrapped around your heart to His? And has He ever did this? And you'll be praying, and all of a sudden you'll say, man, I know He's there. But we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with a feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We've got one that prays for us every single day. Well, we've looked at the reality of storms. Well, turn over uh, wherever you want to, because I'm liable to hit it before I finish tonight. No, anyway. We've got the reality of storms, the source of them, the scope of it, and the significance of it, but I want you to look at the reason for storms. Have you ever thought about this? 
You can go through a lot of things if you know the reason why you're going through it. Well, can I give you some reasons why storms come? They come for four reasons. Y'all write these down very quickly because you're going to need those when you have discussion time. Number one, the reason storms come is, number one, to make you patient. You say, preacher, what do you mean patient? The word patient in the Greek language has an intriguing uh, meaning. It literally means this. It means staying power. It means don't quit. There's a story told about five years ago, preacher Damien, about a young lady who was the, the state diving champion in Florida. She lived around Melbourne, Florida, and she was a state diving champion, won every award that year, 1999, I believe it was. Well, a few years later, she was a sophomore that year, and Romani, about two years later, she got a full scholarship at the University of Central Florida to be on the diving team. She came in third place in our nation, diving. But can I tell you something that was odd about this young lady? She didn't have any arms. She didn't have any arms. I don't know about y'all, but when you jump off of a 20-meter a platform with no arms and diving into water, that's, that's taking your life into your own hands. But this girl was an amazing diver. Now, you know what she could have said? I, I'm not qualified to do this. I know how many times I've heard that by people. Pastor comes up to somebody and says, I'd like for you to take a son. I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified. Well, I can't do that anymore, preacher. You know what? I'm sick and tired of Christians whining. You're welcome. Don't you ever say, I can't. You say, God can. Because you know what? When you say, I can't, what you're doing is you're limiting the grace of God in your life and you're putting the blood of Jesus Christ on trial. I'm telling you this, you're more, Nathan, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And you can do anything you want to as long as it's done in the power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. I can't do this. I got up there, George, and I said, you know what, God, I can't, but you can. I ain't qualified. You know what, folks? I am not worthy to preach this book. But by the grace of God, He has called me. I'm not worthy, but thank God through His righteousness I am. And I'm here to tell you that you are more than a conqueror and you're special in God's eyes and God wants to use you and the reason why He lets you go through storms is to make you patient, to give you some staying power, to give you some spiritual fortitude. I got a Marine friend who came back from Afghanistan three years ago. I was in the Marine Corps. You can tell by my haircut. I've either been a youth pastor or in the Marines. You youth pastor, you'll pull your hair out. No, I love young people. But I was in the Marine Corps. I've got a dear friend, and we found out not just a few years ago, he went to Afghanistan, got caught in a, a, a firefight. He lost his leg and his arm. But you know what? He could, he could have just kicked back and taken a vacation from life, but he didn't, Peter Damien. He went to Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, started a ministry for, ki for young uh, men that came back that are uh, uh, dismembered just like he is, and he wants to preach the Word of God to them and tell them they may feel like they got a part of a body, but if they ever get in Jesus Christ, they'll be made whole. What about you tonight? Can I ask you something? You gonna sit around in the corner the rest of your life, young people, and go, woe is me. Why, why, why? Because you're going through a little storm in your life. I want you to think about this. There are people in India right now being killed and persecuted for the cause of Christ for doing nothing more than what I'm doing tonight. And God help us as His people to say, Lord, we want to be counted worthy to suffer shame for your name's sake. 
You know the reason storms come? They come to get, make us patient. Give us staying power. The second reason they come is to make us perfect. You say, preacher, I can be perfect? Well, you might think you are, young lady, young man, but you ain't. I know a lot of people in churches that think they they perfect. But I'm here to tell you the word perfect means mature. So young people, listen to me. Storms come, number one, to make you patient, to give you staying power. Number two, to make you perfect, settled in your maturity, to have some settled maturity in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 17 says this. It says, For this light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a more exceeding and eternal way to glory. 1 Peter chapter number 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which has come to try you, as though some strange thing hath happened unto you. Do you think that what you're going through has caught God by surprise? No! Why do they come? What's the reason why God allows us to go through them? They come to make us patient, but they come to make us perfect. Young people, I've got a friend. The only reason I say he's a friend, I hadn't seen him in about 10 years. But we're preachers. He's an evangelist in the United States of America. His name's Tom Williams. You might have heard of him before. Tom Williams, 30 years ago, went to Israel, and his wife stepped right off the bus went to a water fountain. They think that's where it came from. She began to get sick, found out she had bacterial meningitis. To this day, Preacher Damien, she can't walk. She can't clothe herself. She can't even talk. But yet, I'm going to tell you something, Frazier. Brother Williams dresses his wife every morning, feeds her, clothes her, gets her dressed. He and his daughter... And you know what? She will never, ever be able to say, Honey, you preached a great message tonight. Honey, I'm praying for you. Honey, I love you. Never again. But yet, you know what? Day after day after day, Tom Williams continues to do that. You know what that is, young people? That's a storm that he went through, and it's made him mature. It's made him mature. Give you a couple more. Number one, it comes to make us patient, comes to make us perfect. But number three, it comes to make us powerful. Storms come to make us powerful. You say, preacher, in our own strength? No. I'll start the verse, you finish it. Jesus said, for without me ye can do? You, that's awful weak. For without me you can do? Thank you. Do you know what power does? It gives us strong character. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. You know what? You're not your own property, young people. You're God's. Be careful what you do with God's property. Think about Daniel and the boys that went into that fiery furnace. Think about what they went through before they went in that fiery furnace. They were told they were going to give a, give, be given a portion of the king's meat to king's drink. And it said... After they did that, they were stronger than all the Chaldeans were. Young people, that's strong character. That's saying, you know what? I'm going to get through this thing. The reason why storms come, number one, to make us patient. Number two, to make us perfect. Number three, to make us powerful. But number four, to make us pure. To make us pure. Job 23.10, y'all write this down. Job 23.10 says, He knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me... I shall come forth as gold. Now I'm about done, so hold on, okay? Got a frog in my throat. He's got his legs crossed. Hold on a minute. All right. They come to make us pure. You know what that does? That not only, listen, we've got, we've got, listen, 
We've got staying power. We've got settled maturity. We've got strong character. But purity comes to give us simple dependence. A simple dependence upon Him. Y'all know the story about Job. Job's flocks were taken. His family was taken. His finances were taken. His flesh was affected by it. But yet, young people, I'm here to tell you that after all of that, Job, it says, did not charge God foolishly. He did not say, God, I can't believe you allowed this to happen to me. It said he praised God for what he went through. Young people, can I ask you something? When storms come, are you more patient after the storm or less? Are you more perfect, spiritually mature than you are before you went into it? Are you more strong? Are you more powerful after you've gone through it or before? And young people, the simple dependence that we have in Jesus Christ, all we've got to do like, like a child is just come to Him. You ever seen a child when Daddy says, jump, come on, jump off, jump? You don't even hardly have to get the words out of your mouth, George, and that baby's in the air. And I mean, you know, you're like, wham! You know, you catch a child, and, but that child just trusts its father. Why can't we do that? Hey, you being evil fathers know how to give good gifts. How much more shall your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? So they come to make us pure. They come to make us powerful. They come to make us perfect. They come to make us patient. You know what? Here's the thing about storms. We just had a tornado go through our area about three years ago. Killed eight people. Terrible tragedy. Do you know what, young people, I've noticed? Since that storm happened and that tornado went through our area, that piece of land about a quarter of a mile wide, about a half a mile long, is now as green and as vibrant as it's ever been. You know why? Because the storm did that to it. It made it pure. A lot of times that's what God has to do to you. He knows the way that I take, and when He hath tried me, when He hath put me to the fire, I shall come forth as gold. The reality of trials, they're going to come. The reason for trials, they come to make you patient, come to make you perfect, come to make you powerful, come to make you poor. But can I tell you about the rainbow after the storm? The rainbow after the storm. Look back at Matthew chapter number 14. I want to show you something. And I'm almost done. Matthew chapter number 14, look at verse 24. Our text is this, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Do you know, young people, you're in one of three positions tonight as a Christian? You're either in a storm, you're coming out of one, or you're going into one. You're either in a storm, you're coming out of one, or you're getting ready to go into one. So hold on. I want to ask you this, and this is, I'm almost done. There is light at the end of the tunnel. There's a rainbow after the storm. You know what that is? I believe in the midst of this storm, this is what happened. I believe God was trying to give the disciples a lesson here, and I believe He's trying to give us one through this story. I never thought about this, Preacher Damien, until just a few, few, few months ago when I started thinking about this, because God, I believe, knew what we were going through ourselves. But do you know why He walked out there on the water? He only did it once. It's only recorded once, isn't it, young people? One time. Have you ever asked yourself, why did He go out there and walk on the water to go to them? I mean, could he have not just appeared right to him? Yes. Could he have not just levitated? Yes, he could have done whatever he wanted to. He was God, but why did he go walking on the sea? You want to know why? Write this down. 
Because I believe he was telling his disciples and teaching them this one concept that I believe we need to know. And that is this. He said, disciples, you'll never get to where I can't come. Did you get that? There is nowhere you can get to where I can't come and rescue you. See, what they thought was over their head was under his feet. What they thought was going to overtake them, Jesus overcame it. And young person, I don't care what need you have. There's not a need you have that he can't meet. There's not a place you can get in your life where he can't come. There is a rainbow at the end of the storm. But I want to give you one more, the reward and rejoicing through storms. Turn to James chapter number 1 verse 12. I want to show you something very quickly. James chapter number 1 and look at verse number 12. You know what I found out, guys? I found out that when I go to the doctor, he kind of like knows more than I do about me. You ever been to the doctor and he tell you, you've got to do this, 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 and this, and if you don't do that, you might die prematurely. You don't argue with him and say, I ain't going to do what you want to do. You know what? I pretty much like to adhere to what the doctor says because guess what? He knows a lot about what he's talking about. And I'm going to tell you something. A lot of times when the doctor orders something, it's prescribed to you. You may not like it, but he does it because he loves you and he wants you to live a little longer. Let me tell you something, young people. I never asked my mom when I got up in the mornings when I was about six and seven years of age going to the bus, I never asked my mom to make biscuits and then we'd cut them open. They'd be hot laying right there on the plate. And you'd take honey and sugar and sprinkle them. I never asked my mom to get up and make biscuits like that every morning, but she did. And do you know what, young people? I never asked my mom when I got sick to get the castor oil out. But she did it. Now, it wasn't fun. But I'm here to tell you, the God of heaven, the great physician, knows exactly what you're going through, the storm that you're going through. And young people, I'm here to tell you, He knows what's best. He knows what's best. The rejoicing and reward for going through a storm is this. He not only walked on water out there to them, He got in their boat. You want to know what makes me rejoice is when I know that I'm going through a storm. He may come out walking on the water in the midst of the storm, but he just didn't walk on water. He didn't just walk on the sea. He got in the boat with them. The young people, I'm here to tell you this. You need to praise God when you go through the storms. They come to make you patient. They come to make you perfect. They come to make you powerful in His name. And they come to make you pure. What it'll do is that storm will wipe away and it'll wash away all the dross in your life. And now, listen, when that happens, you'll come forth as gold. You'll be purified. How many of you in here have ever watched a race, like a, a motocross race or any type of race where they run on a track? You know, I don't, I'm from America and I don't much like racing. I'll be honest with you. If I want to watch something go around and around like that, I'll go down to the laundromat and put two quarters in the dryer and watch clothes go around. I'm not going to go to a track and watch a car, and then there's a winner. It just don't make no sense to me. All left turns. You know, how hard can that be? All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. But you know what? Here's what's intriguing about racing. 
When they get done with the race, by the way, if the guy that's in the lead comes across the finish line, there's no caution flags, and the checkered flag's thrown, he wins the race. But guess what? If a guy is four laps down, he don't, have, he don't get to run the rest of the laps. He just done. You say, what's your point? If you're not careful, young people, some of you are going to run out of race before you run out of time. See, you don't know how much longer you got to live. You came to this youth conference to try to get something you can put in your belly to go back and, and face the world and the devil on Monday morning, on th Wednesday afternoon. See, it ain't how, how loud you shout on Sunday. It's how straight you walk on Monday. And you've got a real enemy, and he's called the devil. And he don't want you to win, but I'm here to tell you something. When that guy wins that race, he drives his, his uh, car up onto what they call the winner's circle. And he gets out, and they might throw milk on him or Coca-Cola or some other beverage, you know what I'm talking about, and they'll throw something all over him and just going crazy. Why? Because he won a temporal race. Can I tell you something? Can I take you to heaven for just a minute? When you stand before Jesus Christ, you're going to be at the Bema seat, the heavenly winner's circle, if you will, and you're going to get crowns based upon what you've done for him, whether it be good or evil. You say, evil? Yeah, worthy or worthless. Is what you've done for Jesus Christ worthy or is it worthless? Is it going to be like wood, hay, and stubble and burn up or is it going to be like gold, silver, and precious stone and be purified in the fire? Young people, you need to realize that when you go through a storm, you've got the captain of the universe on board the boat. If you're a Christian, he's on board. Anybody need any healing? No, I'm just playing. He's on board the boat. But let me tell you something, young people. It ain't always going to be smooth sailing with him on board. There were storms when he came. There were storms when he walked out on that, on that water, Pastor. And it ain't always going to be smooth sailing with him on board. But I promise you this. The God of heaven, if he's on board, can calm any storm in your life. Any storm. What about you? Is he in your boat? You going through storms tonight? Let me tell you, the reality is this. They're going to come. It ain't when. It ain't if. It's when. The reason they come is to make you patient, perfect, powerful, and pure. The rainbow is this. The rainbow, the light at the end of the tunnel, is that you'll never get to where he can't come. But the rejoicing about it all is this. James chapter 1 and verse 12 says this. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried... And he is put to the test. He shall receive the crown of life. He'll stand in that winter circle, Pastor Damien, and he'll get a crown put on his head or her head, ultimately for them to take it and cast it back at Jesus' feet. What storm are you going through tonight, young person? Can I just be honest with you? Won't you think about this for just a minute? You came here with a heavy burden on your heart. Nobody knows about it but Jesus. You ain't told nobody about it. You ain't told your youth pastor. Ain't told your brother or sister. Ain't told a person in your youth group. But you know there's something in your life and it's about to break your heart. I want to ask you something. Have you ever just got down and instead of petitioning God and complaining and saying, Lord, why me? You know, calling to whamulance. You know, wah, wah, wah. Woo, woo, woo. Instead of calling and doing all of that, why don't you get down on the floor and praise His name? You ought to go out and buy a book I've got called Welcome Home, Davy. 
about a man by the name of Dave Reaver. You know what? This guy lost his ear, most of his fingers, everything in Vietnam because of a white phosphorus grenade. It was shot in his hand while he was throwing it at the enemy of the Viet Cong. It literally melted his body, almost melted his body off of his, his physical structure. He jumped in the water off this boat to try to cool himself off, and he said, my skin literally rolled off my body and was floating around me in the water. He said, I guess you could say I was beside myself, you know. I mean, he said that in the book. He said that in the book. This guy's got a sense of humor. You know what that is? That is verbal praise. This guy went back home. They carried him. Out. They, they, the guys got him off out of the water, put him in the boat, got him to the shore, and they, they called a, a medevac in, and a helicopter came to pick him up. When they went to put him on a stretcher, it's a, it's a piece of cloth, a canvas. It's got two pieces of wood to take care of him. They got him on the stretcher, began to carry him to the, to the, uh, 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 the helicopter. He was so hot, his body was still on fire, he burnt through the canvas, hit the ground. They picked him up, put him on the, uh, the, the helicopter. They took off. One of the medics began to look at him. They said, he's dead. Now, he couldn't talk because the percussion of his jaw was broken. He couldn't say anything. But he heard them say he's dead. Well, you know what they do in the, in the military when you're dead? They take your dog tags. They take one tied around your boot. They take the second one, and they shove it right between your teeth, and they jam it in there so they'll know who it is. He said, you know what? He said, that, if you're dead, that don't hurt. But when you're alive, he said, it's a pain in the gums. Let me tell you something. He said, they took that dog tag and they put it right there he said i didn't want him to hit it and he said the only thing i knew to do was just yell he went ah he said when i did that he said that guy jumped back he hit the pilot of the helicopter the helicopter started going around like this and he said the only thought that went through my mind was we going to crash and i'm going to be the only one to survive this thing They got him home, Chris. They bandaged him up. Third degree burns over 88% of his body. The only part of his face that was not burnt was the left eyebrow. They covered all of his body up and left that one little eyebrow exposed. He was laying beside of a man who was dismembered too in, in, in Vietnam, and he was laying right beside of him. He said one day this man's wife walked in, looked at the clipboard, saw if it was him. He looked at his name. He looked at him, and he, she said, that can't be my husband. And he said, it's me through bandages. And she did this. She took her wedding band off. She laid it at the foot of the bed and she said, you are so dismembered, I couldn't walk down the street with you anymore. Goodbye. Dave Reaver said he laid in that bed and heard the sobs of a man that had just watched his only hope in life walk out. And then Dave Reaver said, uh-oh. He said, my wife's coming this afternoon. His wife walked in. Her name's Brenda. Brenda walked over there. She looked at the clipboard. She looked at him. She looked at the clipboard. She couldn't tell if it was her husband. She looked at the clipboard. She laid the clipboard down. She went over and she looked into his eye and something caught. And he went on. And she leaned down. And Carl, she went like this. She planted a kiss right on his, right on his eyebrow and went, she said these words. She said, welcome home, Davy. Welcome home. He started sobbing and crying, and his wife said, what's wrong? And he said, honey, through bandages, the, 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 the bandages were soaked with tears, and he said, honey, I'm never going to look good again, and I just can't stand the thought of I'm never going to be attractive to you again. And she looked at him, she said, Dave, it's all right. She said, you's ugly to begin with. I mean... 
Now, you know what, folks? I'm here to tell you that's love. And you know what? I'm telling you, you know what she was saying? I don't love you because of what you look like. I love you because of who you are. And we could stand to have a whole lot more love like that. Well, I know what happens in the springtime. Boy, young people, the sap and the trees begins to flow and leaves start to bud and boy, love is in the air. And I'm telling you, it's like I've, I've, I've seen it all my life. I'm 42 years of age. I've got a 17-year-old daughter, 15-year-old son. I know what it's like. I'm in love. No, you ain't. You just think you are. Just hold on a minute. Slow down. But you know what? She said, I love you because of who you are. You know what Dave Reaver today does? Dave Reaver today, he got his daddy was a preacher. Dave Reaver today goes and preaches to people that I will never, ever, ever be able to preach to. And you know what God used to get him in the door of public schools? Some of the major universities in, North, in the United States of America. You know what God used to get him into those places? His affliction, Pastor. His storm. You know what Dave Reaver, he's got three knuckles on his hand, About a, he's got a little bitty pinky, a nub, and he's only got one finger, an index finger on his hand, the rest of them are gone, and he can play the piano and you don't even know he's got one and a half fingers. Matter of fact, he's got a prosthetic ear, Brother Damien, and he goes into youth conferences and he'll take his ear off and he'll go over to the piano and beat on it and he'll say, I'm playing the piano by ear. That's, that's sick. But do you know what David, you know what Dave Reaver's doing? He's praising God for his storm. What about you? Well, preacher, I got a pimple right here and it, it hurts. And I don't look good anymore. Get over yourself. We are so, we are so consumed with us. If you don't believe it, go and, go and count how many mirrors you got in your house tonight. Well, you can't go tonight. When you get home. Count how many mirrors you got in your house. Young people, do you realize that if he's on board, it can't sink? God will make a way to deliver you. He will. And I know that if he can paint a sunset and put the stars in place, I know if He can raise up mountains and calm the storm-tossed waves, and if He can conquer death forever and open heaven's gates, I know for you He's more than able to. He'll find a way. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around tonight. I want to ask Miss Shelley if she would play It Is Well With My Soul. I want you to do this for me tonight, young people. You've come to this conference with your heart wide open and you say, you know what, I'm willing to do, what any, I'm willing to do anything God speaks to me about in order for me to have a touch from heaven this weekend. And my heart's wide open and I want Him to do something in my life. Even in the midst of the storm, preacher, I want Him to do something in my life tonight. You just raise your hand let me pray for you right now. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Are you in this building tonight and you're saved by the grace of God? There may be somebody in here tonight that I'm talking to. You know what? You're not sure if you die tonight, you'd go to heaven. But I wonder tonight if you'd let me do something that I would love to have the privilege of doing.
I wonder if you'd say, preacher, will you pray for me? I'm not sure. If I died tonight, I'd go to heaven. But man, I want to go. I want to go, but I'm just not sure I would. And would you just say a prayer for me? Anybody like that? Just raise your hand up and then put it back down. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Thank you. Anybody else? Say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved, but I want to be. And I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody else? I want to have the privilege of praying for you. Anybody else? All right. I saw those hands and I'm praying right now for you. Don't leave this weekend without talking to us. Talk to me. I'm always here. I'm not a hit and run preacher. I want to talk to you. Hey, listen, are you in this room and you're going through the turbulent storm of life and God, you think, is a million miles away and got you into something and He lost interest in it? I'm telling you, He hasn't. Are you going through something and you just say, you know what? Will you lift me up in prayer? I'm about to be overtaken by the waves. Say, preacher, pray for me. Anybody? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I want, to, I, want to, I want you to do this for me tonight. It's just home folk. All these young people here, I just want you to do something for me tonight. If God spoke to your heart, why don't you get a friend? Take their hand. Come up here and pray and say, God, don't just deliver us from the storm. Deliver us through it. Maybe you need somebody to pray with you. I'd love to. Maybe there's a friend that would love to take you by the hand. Y'all would get down here and pray. Well, I don't know what you need is tonight. If you need Jesus, let me tell you something. He's able to calm that storm. Whatever it is in your life, he's, it's come into your life to make you patient, perfect, powerful, and pure. Could we stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed? Let's stand to our feet, heads bowed and eyes closed. The songwriter said, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say it is well. With my soul. Do you need to come tonight? I don't know what your need is, but God does. You can come down here and lay it at the foot of the cross where the ground's level. Do you need to come tonight? If you want to come, you come right now. On the first note that she's playing, you come if you need to come. The altar call is this. The invitation's this. Don't wait. The devil says wait. God says now. Now command it all, all men everywhere to repent. If you need to come, you come. Father, in Jesus' name, you have seen the hands that represent the hearts. Now, Lord, I pray that you would help give boldness to those that need to make decisions. Lord, you know what the need is. And Lord, help us to realize that you, thank God, are too good to do us wrong and too wise to make a mistake. Lord, we'll praise you for what you do in our midst this weekend. And advance, we'll give you all the honor and glory for what you do. Because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.